looking for trouble and trouble they found Rode upon a scooter six foot high Somebody's gonna pay by and by Her picture was so cute she had them calling The boys would come to court most every day But when they found the treasure she had buried They'd up and weakly slither on away And they never saw it coming, those slimy little men They'd surely never treat a lady this way again And so they dealt some justice, a lesson it was told A story for the folks to sing about a tale of old Cause tall girl posse came to town Looking for trouble and trouble they found Rode upon a scooter six foot high Somebody's gonna pay by and by They came with hats resplendent in their glory They claimed their turf and sang a fighting song But taller girls weren't mentioned in their story A tale divorced from thoughts of right and wrong And they never saw it coming Their noses held up high They picked the wrong path climbing up the hill on which to die And so they dealt some justice A lesson and it was told Story for the folks to sing about a tale of old Cause tall girl posse came to town Looking for trouble and trouble they found Rode upon a scooter six foot high Somebody's gonna pay by and by A tall girl posse came to town Looking for trouble and trouble they found Rode upon a scooter six foot high Somebody's gonna pay by and by is my opinions and nobody tells me that I can't do it but I got so used to pulling the short stick and 
I got power I can't stand it <laughs> All right and welcome to the weekly review with Roman today it's Friday June 14th 2019 thank you so much for tuning in we are broadcasting live from the Mission District in San Francisco we're on Ohlone land, and there are several ways that folks can give back to the land. One way, um, especially for folks in the East Bay, is if you pay the Shumi land tax. If you go to sagoratelandtrust.com, and that's S-O-G-O-R-E-A-T-E dash landtrust.com, or you can also type in uh, Shumi land tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I land tax, you'll be brought to the page, and there's ways that you can donate. Also, there's uh, Cafe Ohlone in Berkeley which folks can go to if you are hungry and would like some food. So you can find more information at uh, Mak Amham, and that's um, www.makamham.com, and they have the menu and more information about this restaurant. So that's another way that folks can 
support. Also check out um, ramaytush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H, and that's about uh, more information on folks who are in what we know as San Francisco now. So history of those people, these people who are still here. So wanted to share that information with folks oh, and do a, a land acknowledgement. Yes. Okay. So we have a, there's a lot of stuff happening on the show today. I am hoping to not do a lot of talking um, in that there's just so many other voices to be heard. And also wanted to start off the show with some music by trans musicians. So I will let folks know who those folks were. Also, you know, depending on the, the week, sometimes I come in a little bit more prepared. I really did spend a lot of time preparing for the show and I still come in today feeling a little bit rushed. I did not sleep well. I woke up in the middle of the night uh, freaking out about the concentration camps that are here in this country. Um, I don't know about other folks as well. Uh, I'd imagine many of us are deeply upset about this and wondering what what are we going to do about it. So that's something that just woke up in the middle of the night and was up for a few hours pondering that and wondering what will it take to organize folks to liberate these camps. Uh, yeah, to, uh, I again, I feel sometimes, I know this is the medium, radio medium, audio, verbal, and uh, feeling really lots of emotions and difficult to put it into language and even wanting to prepare. And I've prepared a lot of links and a lot of new stories to go over uh, with a limited amount of time. I know it's overall, we got two hours on the show. And at the same time, this is only just pieces, a small glimpses as to what's happening and it's also just the information that gets out that people know about and then that I find out about and that I can share and it's just I know it's very small sliver uh and also of course small in the grand scheme of things and at the same time important to acknowledge what's happening and make connections and also find ways where folks can act and there's been a lot of organizing that's been happening a lot of strikes that are happening for workers rights so I also want to acknowledge that and to remember that there are positive uh, strides that are being made as well. So not to fully full, be full of despair. I often am. And then I recognize that there's a lot of folks out there doing a lot of good work and have been for generations and wanting to acknowledge that. And also sharing information is one way that folks can, uh, we can stop what's happening, is having conversations with people. Uh, start off the show. I should get to the music credits. Oh, man. Gonna sigh. Gonna take my time. Uh, you know, every day there's another reason to hate cops. Yet another. I mean, the other. I mean, I just I get so fucking angry, and uh, I'm so angry I can't even uh, introduce the song. I will though. I will share the the title and the artist of the the first song that we played. It's by Nomadic War Machine, and you can find their music at SoundCloud.com forward slash Nomadic War Machine. And that was aptly titled, I Hate Every Cop in This Town. No matter what town you live in, there's probably something you can agree on. The cops there are causing lots of harm. Okay. Take a deep breath. It's just... Every day, another example. The other day in the mission, I was walking, I was dog sitting and I was walking back and I had just gotten a, a friend treated me to a Reiki treatment, which I really appreciated. And I was in a really a good place. I was like, I'm just going to take it easy for the rest of the day and uh, be kind to myself. And, you know, I was walking back and sure enough, I see two SFPD officers 
uh, brutally arresting uh, a man on the sidewalk who appeared to be intoxicated and just they were so rough with him and I, you know I started watching and then taping and they were just there for like they stopped I think once cops see sometimes not always once they see someone watching them they, they change their behavior a little bit but still there were a number of folks and I was there for maybe half an hour and there were folks who were just walking by as if nothing was happening and I'm wondering what can change in terms of the and I recognize not everyone's in a position where they can uh, cop watch. And also, what if that were more of a, of a quote-unquote mainstream thing to do? If more folks took it upon themselves to monitor what cops are doing. That's one, that's one thing to do. Another thing to do is just not, not to call cops in the first place. Another thing is to defund them, demilitarize them. There are... Oh, I saw an ad on, on BART the other day that was uh, looking to recruit BART police. And we know BART police also, they kill people too. And I was thinking it'd be great to just even just with art to dismantle this art piece or to just adjust it a little bit because it said now hiring part police. And I wanted just to put something over the part that said now and just put stop hiring. So put stop instead. So stop hiring police. And we live, unfortunately, we live in a place where people can make their living by enacting really cruel laws that cause a lot of harm and violence and result in people's deaths. That's one way people can make a living and survive in this country, which is really fucked up when you think about it and how so many other lines of work, such as domestic work, for instance, are undervalued. And that's work that actually helps people and helps heal people and teachers, for instance. And I think about sex work, which also helps people and that's criminalized and how just, oh, just, oh, just how, oh, yeah. So that's the start of my rant. It is 1218. I did want to play a video um, in case folks are not already feeling, uh, not that I, I don't, I wish to share information not to uh, encourage folks to feel upset or depressed, as I recognize a lot of us do feel that way. And I also feel it's important just to share information as to what's happening in the world. And with that, we can also speak with one another and try to find solutions. One solution is to, of course, uh, and capitalism, but, uh, and I, I've, it's a, I'm going to start sighing and getting really upset about it if I talk about it too much. But that's one thing where everything is kind of linked together, where if people can make money by harming other people, then of course we're going to live in a very disturbing world. Happy show here. Guests have just come in and, uh, so, also wanted to, to credit the music we played. The last song I played was from the Tiny Desk concert uh, from NPR, and that song was called Erase Me. Um, and that was uh, Quinn Christopherson, who is the artist there. And before that, we played a song by Polythene Pam, and they are Bay Area locals. And that song was called Tall Girl Posse. And that, you can find that at um, discogs.com and then through uh, Polythene Pam. And let me go back a link so I can share. Yes. And it's also, I'm going to share this on our weekly review webpage so folks can link directly uh, to their site. So I will do that later. But first, wanted to get to Stolen Belongings. Stolen Belongings, a project where uh, folks have been interviewing folks who are unhoused and talking about the sweeps, which they happen here in San Francisco, they happen in LA, they happen in other cities as well, and it's really just criminalizing poor folks and taking their belongings. It's pretty fucked up. That's my introduction for it. Last week we played episode two, um, which had just come out, and today I wanted to play episode one, which uh, is, a, is an introduction 
to this. And you can also find their channel on YouTube. I know YouTube's super problematic and at the same time wanting to <sighs> just share this with listeners out there. So let's take me just a moment here as I uh, pull this up here and get everything ready. So again, you can find this at stolenbelonging.org. And there's also lots more information. You can donate, you can take action, uh, lots of good resources here, and also support the Kulatan homelessness. So this is episode one, Recognize Our Humanity. The city of San Francisco is targeting houseless residents, stealing their survival gear, all of their personal belongings, and consequently their ability to belong in the city. The homeless people out here, a lot of them have property and stuff like that that they bring that's like their only belongings, and when they get taken, it's like a part of their life gets taken as well. Everything that I, that I hold dear to me, I do carry it with me every day because I am not currently in my own space, in my own house, so um, I'd be hurt if that ever happened to me or my kids or anything, you know? Like, just I'd love for the house people to understand that it's just really difficult losing your things and not being able to get them back. They'll sweep certain streets and they'll take everything, you know, like if you don't have it packed up and, and on the move, then they'll take it, you know, so. And they just came in, they just wiped everybody out. And I, my stuff was down there as well. So they got like my backpack, my ID, my birth certificate, my dad's ashes. And There's three grandkids, my mom, my grandmother, we all got an urn, a necklace, and uh, we put some of his hair, some of his beard, and some of his ashes in it. And that was in the very first backpack they took. You, you learn to get tough skin out here with stuff like that because, you, like I said, you can't have anything sentimental. My mother uh, died a few years back on Christmas, and, uh, and there was a, I had some videos of her alive. That's, you know, that's the last videos I had of her. And those are gone. They, they, those were on my iPad that I can't get back. Yeah, it took... Um everything my I have uh, also traditional clothing that they took you know which meant a lot to me it came from Ethiopia and so it was important for me to have it you know that was given to me by my mom and grandma and so that's gone and so um, and it's not something I can get back because in our tradition we, we pass clothes down each item was held by each individual that was in our family among the years they hold memories that you cannot replace that you always have but you cannot replace it can not hold what your mom held at your wedding. You can't smell the flower bouquet that's on her dress. You can't even imagine the things that you know people suspect and need to have to survive out here. It's our privacy. It's what the city wants to take away from us. You know, people that live along a doorway or in sidewalk at nighttime always cover their heads up with their sleeping bag. A lot of people would say it's light, they do it for other people say heat. It's actually a discretion. It's one time of the day the world won't look at you and you're not looking at the world. It might be a blanket over your head, but it's still your own occupied space. I prefer, I prefer a tent. Unless you have your money in your pocket, all your money is gone. 
and all your jewelry, all your sentimental items are gone. Anything that people have to recognize you are gone. Like, if you have a shitty night beforehand where you have to change your outfit because you get soaked and so you're wearing all new stuff that nobody recognizes you in and then all your shit gets taken. Like from that point on, pretty much nobody's going to recognize you. Un ejemplo, a mí cuando me quisieron quemar, se quemaron mi seguro social, mi permiso de trabajo, cosas de inmigración y todo lo más. Yo nomás siempre voy a un lugar donde tienen copias y puedo ir a buscarlo cuando tengo que hacerlo personal. Gracias a ellos tiraron todo, no dejaron que sacara nada. Entonces yo ando como... DBW es la main face that you'll see taking your stuff, but... Uh, actual police officers will have no problem doing it too, or, or like other like I want to say vigilante <laughs> uh, workers, I guess, because like you'll see them behind travel lodge selling some of the shit that they take. How do you think the city should compensate you for the loss of your possessions? What? I can never be replaced. My my mom photographs and the letters. Uh, it's just it, it just it meant more to me than a zillion dollars. Uh, it's just it's stuff like that. You just priceless. You, you can't. It's not like it's something you sell or something. It's different. You don't. It's it's. Besides paying for my medication, do I but that I think they should because I mean. Where am I going to get the money for my medication? I, I don't know. I don't compensate us out, like, not taking our stuff, you know, letting letting us at least, you know, make a little bit of money and not worry about our tents and, and, and get off of our, you know, get out of the streets. Because what they're doing is actually making us stay longer in the streets, you know? They can replace the items, some of the items, but, I mean, how could they compensate me? Cause there's a lot of stuff they can't replace. I went down to the, every time I go down to their yard, they don't ever have my stuff. If, if my loss were to actually be, uh, have value and, and to lead to the, to the, whatever laws being put in place so that they can't continue to do this, then I would be uh, happy with that. The city's being bad, and I think that they <clears throat> there needs to be consequences to their behavior. And this project is showing and going to show this, but also is showing heartbreaking stories of real life people that things were ripped away from and taken from that they can never ever replace. I'm hoping that through these stories that that people can feel a more personal connection of uh, what it would happen if somebody uh, if somebody came in to their house and took everything or somebody, you know, if they came home and their, their house was gone, their house was burned down and the person who burned it down was the city. What would that be like? Like nobody's ever gonna like change anything if they don't hear our voices and we need to stop snuffing our voices for like public comfortableness. Like fuck that, you know? We're not comfortable day to day being homeless. Like I'm not comfortable taking my kids to a shelter today, you know, so. Like, we need them to, like, feel this pain and feel this anger and feel, you know, this hope to want them to stop. The people that we've interviewed uh, for this uh, particular project, I think they, 
they could probably get that sense of belonging just by having their, you know, their humanity, like, recognized. That's probably as good a starting point as any. You know what? We're all, our city, our home. You know, this is, this belongs to all of us, not just you guys. This is where we were raised, and this is where we belong. This is this belongs and, uh, to all of us, not just you guys. Uh, just this is where we were raised, and this provide, is where we belong. Uh, so, at the end of the video, there is some text that I wanted to share. Uh, SF has the most billionaires per capita, the highest rents, and the highest income inequality in the U.S. And thousands of people endure homelessness every here every year, approximately seven percent of which were once housed in the city. The numbers continue to rise. The SF shelter waitlist is regularly 1,200 names long, escalating the sweeps and increasing the criminalization of homelessness is not the solution. Stop the sweeps, housing and services now. So if folks would like to learn more, you can check out stolenbelonging.org or you can get involved at cohsf.org. All right, I'm gonna play a little bit more music and then we'll be back with some guests in just a moment. So please do stay tuned. And thank you so much for listening to Mutiny Radio. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm going new home because I haven't gotten a song ready just yet. One moment. I've only been doing the show for over five years, and uh, you know this is this is what happens. All right. So here's another song from Polythene Pan. Never had kids, never will Cause I got no 
Back to the weekly review. I'm joined here by uh, Nava Mao and Nala Dufour. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us, Roman. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So there's a lot of great things happening this month for Pride Month, uh, including a lot of great art that's happening that folks can check out. So I thought we could start by talking about some events that are happening. Okay. I'm so excited to be here. Nana, do you want to go first? Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I have a couple of uh, events coming up for a performance that I'm doing called Sprint. It's also um, a film project, and it deals with my own story. It's a coming-of-age story about a queer black child of Ghanaian immigrants coming up uh, in the 90s and the 2000s, and um, I always say discovering herself and her dignity in white America, and all of the um, humiliation and hilarity and hurt and healing that comes with those experiences. And um, what I had the pleasure of doing with a group of really talented filmmakers and actors was um, putting together a uh, performance piece that also includes four short films. And so those uh, two of those short films are going to be in the Queer Women of Color Film Festival this weekend that both Nava and I are a part of. Um, my films are going to screen on Saturday the 15th, mm -hmm. and um, that's going to be at the Brava Theater in San Francisco. And then we're going to do a full performance of the whole production with the films, with the music, with the theater, the whole shebang um, in the National Queer Arts Festival. And that's going to be on June 20th and June 21st in Oakland, California. And you can learn more about that on uh, my website. It's sprintmovement.com. Great. Excellent. 
Yeah, um, I just want to say I'm so honored to be here with my friend Nana. Um, she's been such an inspiration to me for so long, and I'm so proud to see where you are now with all these performances and everything you've accomplished with this project. Thank um, you, love. The feeling is very mutual. Aww. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, if, if people didn't know, Nana crowdfunded the launch of Sprint. Wow. And the last time I was here on this mm-hmm. show, I was talking about my crowdfund racer, and, mm-hmm. and Nana is the person who inspired me to do it. Straight up. Like, oh. Nana is the person who made me realize that I could, yeah. and that I didn't have to wait, and that I could have community support, mm-hmm. and... Um, and so I'm, I'm now we're here today and it feels very full circle. Yes. And I'm just, yeah. yeah, I definitely want to say like, I'm definitely in my, like I'm having emotions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, hello, I'm Nava Mao. Um, I am a filmmaker, actress and cultural worker. And I'm here to talk about, my project Waking Hour, it's mm-hmm. a short film that I wrote, directed, produced, and star in. And it is currently still having its festival run, and it's also online. Um, but I'm very excited to be in the Bay for uh, a few screenings and um, some cool events. Yeah. And I think Nan and I also just like have things to talk about that we haven't yeah. seen each other oh. in like a year it's and a been half. Too long. Yeah. And so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're just here to to chill, kind of. Yeah. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so happy to have you here. So Nana and Nava, how did you meet? Um, we were <laughs> just if you, if you talking about this yes. yeah, before we got on the air. I hardly even remember that we actually met at LA Pride yeah. circa... Like 2012, I think. Wow. 2012, Azalea Banks was the headline act, mm-hmm. and we were on a mission to get... To that concert, yes, mm-hmm. and it was a great, it was great concert. It um, really was. She's, yeah, she slayed. Uh, we met through mm-hmm. like we were with mutual mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. and they had each invited us. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. and then um, I moved to the Bay like three years later, mm-hmm. and ran into Nana at a party, straight up. I was at um, Sad Girl Rage, the Halloween party. Oh, shoot! <laughs> yes! Oh, my gosh! Uh, yeah. yeah! Um Oakland, it's been a minute. I know. Yeah. That's, see, and that's what I love about Oakland. Like, um, so we ran into each other at that party and just kind of over the years, like, started hanging out. And, and I think have discovered, even today still like oh we have that in common oh we have this in common yeah Mm -hmm. um and and it's just it's cute i like it i like our friendship um and uh and now i've also like stolen a few of nana's friends from myself like (laughs) yeah you have yeah you have there have been a couple of friends friends that have called for editing work and they're like we're working on Nava's project oh. right now. So that's the other thing about, like, I feel like our friendship is that we also, like, eventually connected around yeah. wanting to pursue yeah. acting and writing yeah. and creating. And that became, like, a its own element of yeah. our friendship and relationship and, like, creative community that mm-hmm. we've kind of mm-hmm. built together, like... Mm-hmm. 
we were part of the same writing group that meets on video conference from different parts of the country and we all like share and support each other's work and um, a lot of the people that worked on my films um, for Sprint also worked with Nava and so like it very much feels like part of a a crew that that creates together and is super supportive and just down to like throw down on a project Mm -hmm. like really throw Mm -hmm. down yeah I think Nana texted me like I had auditioned for a role, mm-hmm. and um, and I had got cast in a different role mm-hmm. in in Nana's film. But then I got a text like the day before filming, and it was like, okay, actually, like, <laughs> are you available at seven thirty tomorrow? Um, and I was like, yes, of course. Um, and and so that's how I ended up actually acting in one of the films oh. in Sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it really does feel like like we're just part of this little community um because yeah then a lot of people from sprint worked on waking hour as well juno kim is the colorist on both projects Sauj kudva is the editor and i mean i know for waking hour like they wouldn't have looked felt or sounded the way they do without those people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. probably the same for Sprint. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I have no filmmaking experience. I don't know how to make <laughs> films. Like I was like, I want this to happen. And then and then this, and then can we make them do this? And then there were just people surrounding me who were like, yes, we can do that, and this is how you do it. Or mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you don't have a budget. And eventually some of those no's became yeses too. But you know, like, having a team of people who actually had the skills, the equipment, mm-hmm. the know-how, like, yeah. and the patience to work with someone mm-hmm. who who they just connected to the story um, and were down to, like, really put all, as much of their time and energy as they possibly could into making it look as, like, professional mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, like, sharp and mm-hmm. beautiful as, as we possibly yeah. could, I feel like. Yeah. It's, yeah, I feel like it's, I mean, that's just one way to do it is just to, to jump right in and just to, like, start doing it. And that's one way that folks learn. Yeah. And I also just, like, having done, or I, doing, like, some acting and, like, being in, in those situations, I'm always just so am- amazed by how many crew members and how many cast members and how many people it takes to create a piece of work. And yeah. just, it's... So many. It can be, it's so beautiful also to be able to see, like, this final project when you realize how many folks have put their time and their yes. energy into creating a story. Yeah. And how much more important it is also when it's, like, talking about queer visibility, which mm-hmm. is so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did, oh, you talked about what your project is about, right? Yes. Okay, I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think you did uh, either, yeah, Bull. Just in case, yeah. So Waking Hour is a short film about a young trans woman who is at a party and a cute guy invites her to go home with him and she has to decide what she's gonna do. Yeah. Um, so we get to witness the contrast between what's going on inside her head mm-hmm. and what's going on between them and then also the contrast between how he behaves towards her before and after she discloses that she's trans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very personal story and and yet because of the collaboration, it has turned into a lot of people's very personal project mm-hmm. and, and that feels really good that, that people get to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that. 
Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, um, there was a, an article um, that had a link to it as well, so I was really grateful to get a, a sneak peek of yeah. the film as well. Yeah, so. it's it's funny. Like it's the film is online, <laughs> um, but there is That's nothing great. like watching it in a theater. Yeah, I'm, with an audience. I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited have, for that. Have you seen yours in a theater? No, uh-huh. no. Is this is this a, a is this a, a, a festival premiere for you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun to to be able to see your work in a theater, and it's so important to have festivals like the Queer Women of Color Film Festival. Yes. You know, we submitted to we submitted Waking Hour to a lot of different festivals Mm -hmm. um some mainstream ones some kind of random ones and a lot of queer and trans oriented festivals Mm -hmm. and so far waking hour has actually only screened at queer film festivals um which is great you know uh, it means that that we understand good film yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) that part Um, (laughs) um, but it also it speaks to how important it is to have festivals Mm -hmm. right because otherwise maybe waking out would not be screening at any festival Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to say thank you to the Queer Women of Color film festival team um, at the Quap Quap Map Mm -hmm. Um, I've looked up to them for a very long time and, and it feels almost surreal to be screening at this film festival um you know i i attended like maybe three years ago two two three years ago i attended i've attended multiple years but the last time i attended was a couple years ago and i i didn't even at that time i didn't even realize that i wanted to i didn't think i could mm. still somehow i just didn't think that i could have a film screen at this festival mm-hmm. it just felt so out of reach um so it feels very surreal to have it actually be happening yeah 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 it's so exciting it's very exciting proud of both of us yeah Aww. I was before we before we came on there. I was telling Roman like, okay, do you have questions for us? Because <laughs> we might need like some facilitation. Sure. After, so well, me and Nana should ask each other questions. Yeah, that's also well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I'm excited about this. I'll start with a softball. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the thing that surprised you most about? the filmmaking process, the thing you did not see coming and you're like, oh, really? That's what that's like? Mm -hmm, What was mm -hmm, that thing? mm -hmm. I think, um, sometimes I don't like questions where it's like the most because there's so Mm -hmm. many things. Pick like as many as you want. And I, right now I'm thinking about lighting. Mm. Mm, I, I, I just didn't know that there was such technique mm-hmm. and so much equipment and all of the time that it takes to light a scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and the lighting in Waking Hour is really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's really, really well done. That is Asia Pop. That mm-hmm. is our director of photography, Asia Pop. Who Shout out was, Asia Pop. Right. Who was also the gaffer. Like, she, wow. I can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around how she did. I would never put somebody through what we had Asia do for this film. Because she was director of photography, key grip, gaffer, 
and camera operator. Our community is so dope and talented and amazing. Like, this is what we can do on with this tiny amount of money and this tiny crew and just staying up late and getting it done, you know? Um, So I I think um, things like that, like lighting, really, it kind of blew my mind how long it takes. And if you want to get it right, you got to put in the time. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise... It just it just doesn't look it just doesn't look that good and you know you want it to look good like yeah. like yeah this I don't know and you, because you've put in all this work right, in the first like, like you've yes. done all of this in the first place like yeah like at to, that point you don't want your lighting to be the thing that right. doesn't allow you to feel fulfilled with yeah. all the work that you yeah. and, and your cast and crew have put Cause, in because I think the issue the reason that. It, you have to make things look and sound perfect. Like mm-hmm. you really want to have high standards for quality is because otherwise it becomes distracting. And yeah. that's the challenge with filmmaking is that that you can have a great story, you can have great actors, but unfortunately one little thing can really throw off the audience yes and and that's why filmmaking is so expensive and that's why it takes Mm. so many people and so much time it's it's a very special art yeah what's how would you answer that question what was the most what was the most surprising part of the filmmaking process for you? Because you did not direct any of the short films, right? Mm-mm. You produced mm-hmm. and acted. And acted. And wrote. Yeah, and one of them I didn't act in. Uh-huh. It's the um, eight-year-old version of me. Right, right. Oh. A child star. Yes. No. <laughs> it was oh, actually the she's cutest. She's so good. She's oh. so good. Yeah. She's so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine it must be very cathartic um, working on a, a film like that and dealing with one's own story. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know, that may be the answer mm-hmm. to your question that you just posed back to me. Um, her name's Alexis Wanguhu, super talented young actress and that was a thing about the process that I didn't expect Mm -hmm. but like Roman absolutely I would watch her act out scenes that were based off of parts of my life and I would like just feel this empathy and care and Mm. like protection for her that I did not have available to myself for Mm. myself at that age Mm -hmm. and so it was like a total perspective shift that I did not expect going into the process with her yeah yeah Oh. Yeah, that was a really special part of of that filmmaking process. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, art ha- art heals. Yeah, it's such yeah. an important part of it. Totally. Oh. Okay, I should ask you a question. Um, let me yeah. let me think of one. Okay, I have another. You do? Yeah. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I want to know like more about. Dava, because I don't know that we've talked about it as mm-hmm. much. Like what, um, like how it's felt to share something so personal, mm. um, you know, with your story in Waking Hour. What it's been like to share that increasingly, like with more people. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Um, you know, I didn't realize how personal and vulnerable and intimate the story was mm-hmm. until kind of recently um <laughs> i don't know i i do tend to be pretty pretty open and pretty vulnerable yeah. I, you know I, I write things on facebook i post things on instagram um and in person 
Yeah. I've I've never really been too afraid to talk about things that are painful or, you know, really raw. Um that being said, I, there was um, I was working on this other uh, short film project, uh, Love Bites, uh, by director Chinwe Okorie, and and we were at our rap party. It was like six of us left, and somebody was like, "Oh, we should we should watch Waking Hour," because <laughs> yeah. it had just come out a couple of days before, and and I was like, "Okay, I don't know." For some mm. reason, that was the first time that it felt it felt a little like scary um because I, I had showed it to my to my family and it was like a little weird mm-hmm. I think I, I, I kind of felt like my family didn't think it was like a good short film because they were kind of like silent after they watched <laughs> it that's <laughs> like I was like, okay, I guess it's not that good. Like, but I'm realizing now, probably, you know, it was just very uncomfortable for them to sure. watch. You know, me go through what I go through in the film. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't until I was with like my colleagues, essentially, um, right? Not like close friends, mm-hmm. lifelong friends, not family, and not strangers, but people that I work with, and you know, I'm gonna continue working with uh-huh. to sit there and watch the film and like for some reason that time it really kind of hit me mm. like oh okay yeah this is a story about you know uh sex and intimacy and mm-hmm. consent and pain and um i i felt like the discomfort that i felt was informative and and it mm-hmm. it reminded me that this is why I need to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that being vulnerable connects us, and it it allows us to learn from each other and mm-hmm. and about ourselves. Yes, um, we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. We have to go deep like that mm-hmm. because otherwise, what what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah, I won't. No shade to like to anybody else. <laughs> like who are you about to shade? I was gonna say With Kardashian. No I, oh, wait. I am. Yeah. I am a Kardashian hater, and I feel like it is Please, definitely yeah. gonna. It is gonna like cause me problems in my future at some point. They just have mm. so much control and oh. power. Like <laughs> you got the Jordan Woods that. If, if you catch that um, reference, that was. But um, no, I feel like I feel like. Um, even even when I create things that are more lighthearted, mm-hmm. like I, f- for my next short film project, I would like to do a comedy. Yeah. Um, it still has to come from the heart. Yes. Yeah. I think that it still needs to dive deep, in order maybe then to rise up. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise, it just feels like a waste of time to me. Mm-hmm. I'm that type of person. I am deep. I am emotional, and I can't help it. Yeah, like I, I'm sorry. I go Same. for the heart. I go Same. for the tears. Yeah. Like <laughs> I can't help it. That's that's Language. what makes me. Yeah. That's what makes me want to do this. Mm-hmm. And and it's because it's hard. Yeah, you know, it is hard work doing what we do, and so it has to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean yours. I mean. I've also read the the screenplay, the the full screenplay that mm-hmm. the sprint is drawn mm-hmm. from, and mm-hmm. I mean, 
your project is super personal and super mm-hmm. vulnerable. What is it? What has it been like yeah. for you? And especially because I even feel like in Sprint, I mean, Sprint is kind of acknowledged to be somewhat autobiographical. Yeah. And I think Waking Hour for me, there is a separation between mm-hmm. the character and myself. Like. We have different names, yeah. and when I was playing her, it, she was a different person. Like it, yeah. she had a different history, um, different values. I felt like her soul was a different age than mm-hmm. mine. But I think for for you in Sprint, it, it really is drawing on your life and, and yeah. who you are. So, what has that been like? Has your family <laughs> seen? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's um, it's a trip. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I performed it in the Queer Arts Festival, um, yeah, my family, my parents and my sister were in like the front row or second row or something. And that was a whole experience for all of us. Yeah. Um, You could see them. I could see them. Oh, yeah. yeah. They they were like printing programs the night before. They were like, they were so on team and just like, and it was hard for, it was harder for some of them than for others, you know, but there's not a whole lot that I've changed Mm -hmm. about the story. You know, the order of events, their other characters have been kind of melded. Mm -hmm. Um, I've changed the names of most characters, but... um, the the main character is I haven't changed my name despite I think Issa Rae was like change your <laughs> change your <laughs> name <laughs> was a warning that I yeah. think she has since creating Insecure has yeah. put yeah. out there and I had did not advice I probably will kick myself for it later but um, it felt I think at the time that I was creating it it felt like a, like I was telling my own story for the first uh-huh. time for uh-huh. myself and uh-huh. so there was all of my own healing wrapped up in it I was like I want to do this for mm-hmm. me um, and so I need this to be Nana's like I need the character to be Nana I need like mm-hmm. my community to bear witness like those were things I wanted from the project and then like there were the moments where that felt hard like there even when we were making the project or when we'd be in writers group and I shared it with a group of writers who I respect and invited critique for the first time I I requested like when we talk about the protagonist can you call her Nana mm-hmm. and like not be like you did this or like you mm-hmm. um sh- you should feel like this or something mm-hmm. like that like I needed that little bit of separation mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. E- whatever little bit of separation separation could make sense and that I could grasp mm-hmm. onto like I needed some of that so I totally understand like yeah. what you're talking about Neva with like well even your characters being separate characters and that like fe- that feels necessary in order to be able to storytelling go there mm-hmm. and not like completely mm-hmm. revisit trauma or live in it yes. and stay in it mm-hmm. um, requires a kind of um, distancing that I remember seeing uh, now, if you heard of Echo Brown, she did this uh, play, Black Virgins Aren't for Hipsters. Super dope one woman show. And I would like watch her, and I, I, I like took a class with her after, and she's just really magnificent at maneuvering, like going deep, going to places that are traumatic, places that are deeply honest, places that are hard to talk about, mm-hmm. and like preserving a kind of 
distance for yourself that protects you as an artist as well mm-hmm. like as a creative who's in the space of having to do that night after night yes. or mm-hmm. you know um, there's a kind of psychological like safety net that you need to give yourself and 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 um, and I think liberate your character a little bit by creating some sort of um, some sort of removal yeah. what was that. what was your your acting process Oh, what was my acting process? For, and I think prob- it's probably different for the films and then for the live performance. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. What, yeah, what was... Um, <laughs> I have to give Nana another shout-out because she took an acting for the screen class and when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. I also went to her for that oh, recommendation and I ended up taking that same class. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Nancy Hayes casting. Nancy okay. Hayes shout casting. out. Okay. Shout out. Yes. Okay. Totally. Um, but yeah, what was that. what was your what was your process like to prepare to play Nana in Sprint? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like I had kind of started preparing, I guess, before I knew that that was like why I was preparing for a thing. I'd started mm-hmm. taking acting classes, and I had originally started taking them because I had developed such a, like, public speaking, like, mm-hmm. I think some of it rooted in trauma and, like, trying mm-hmm. to heal from that, and just I had, like, been such a, and as a young person, like, so comfortable public speaking, mm-hmm. and just, like, that was really, loved to, like, it was, like, performance for me. Yeah. And then as I got older, I would notice, like, anytime I was in a group and everyone looked at me, like, my voice would just start mm-hmm. shaking. I was like, I don't, I like, okay, I know that's happening. I want that to be different. And like, I want to be able to be in front of people and express myself again. Like that's something that meant something to me before. And so that's why I started taking acting classes was to like get back in that. But then I noticed I was like doing things like getting headshots. I don't know why. (laughs) I had a like full-time nonprofit job. Like, why was I doing that? (laughs) You know, or like. Just starting to, yeah, I, I can't even remember the order of events, but started to put myself in places where I could get a little bit of training here, a little bit of training there, whatever I could afford to do, or if I could get, like, if I could work out, deal with someone, I'll come early, help set up, mm-hmm. clean up, you know, whatever, um, to get some classwork done, and then to, like, actually do the project. The film work was so on the go that it was really, like, okay, memorize your lines, <laughs> like, and then, and, like, hop in, like, really hop in, and then the theater preparation is, like, was much more textured, I think, and really, like, that was a, a full cast of um, eight or nine people all coming together to tell a story that um, that felt very, you know, so personal to me, and so that looked like a different kind of relationship building with cast, like trust building. Um, and it looked like, I mean, it also, it looked like things like, I don't know if this isn't directly connected to the acting, but I think it is. Like, it looked like feeding people, like, well mm-hmm. when they got to, you know, rehearsal. And mm. looked like, like, making sure people actually had the resources they needed to get to and from. Yeah. And, like... And you had some good food on set, I will say. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Nana cooked food for set. Like, that's oh. that's where the budget was at. You know what I mean? Like, yes. but, And, I, uh, yeah, but it was good. And the people, like, to be able to perform and to be able to go into places of vulnerability and, mm-hmm. like, places that are triggering not just it's not just my stories bringing up other people's stories and stuff like they need a full stomach and to know that they're safe and in Mm -hmm. a place that's okay and where they're gonna be treated with respect and Mm -hmm. like I think all of those things 
um, having that available to me, like picking people to work with that I can trust to do all of that, like that helped the acting so much as much as any kind of mm-hmm. like class or training or anything. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes me think of also just like with labor and work and how as artists sometimes oftentimes we're like undervalued and underpaid and just like with many other lines of work too if workers are treated with respect and treated well then it's better for everyone and especially in with art and just reaching those places of vulnerability as you both mentioned like it's that's so crucial to have that support in multiple ways yeah Yeah. we're coming in with a lot i heard you know um talking about gentrification and homelessness mm-hmm. and like this is real for our communities yeah. like mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. real and we're asking folks to volunteer time sometimes or you know work at a rate that is is lower than like what they would be compensated for in a different mm-hmm. circumstance mm-hmm. and so like recognizing that folks that's what folks are coming in with yeah. you know yeah. like especially when it's community projects yes like, and I yeah. think what I also learned from Waking Waking Hour mm-hmm. and, and now continuing to work in, in film is we need art. Yes. yes. Like, talk about it. I think everybody should be making art yeah. in yeah. some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for me, it's what makes me want to stay alive. Yeah. yeah. It's Same. what makes me want to stay in community yes. and stay connected. And, and I've seen the energy that art can produce within somebody and and collectively um so we need it Mm -hmm. right we need it to process our trauma and to heal whether we're creating or we're engaging with art Mm -hmm. we just we absolutely Mm -hmm. need it just like we need water just like we need air it's so important and and i i hope that we as a community continue to prioritize art yeah because you know i neglected it for so long people ask me like oh you know how did this happen (laughs) how how did you become a filmmaker Mm -hmm. like did you always know that that you were on this path like and and you know honestly i i just really didn't think that i could do it and i didn't think that it was important You know, I I was just trying to survive. Sure. I was just trying to, like, become an adult. Yeah. Like, deal with my depression Mm -hmm. and transition. Um, But I've realized now that the only way for me to survive and be an adult and deal with my depression Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. to make art. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a blessing to to be able to make art mm-hmm. and to be in a space to do that, and so I I agree that people are coming into these projects oftentimes dealing with some really heavy things, mm-hmm. but people need to be making the art, you know. Yeah. So it's important yeah. to to support and 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 help people do this together. Right. And that's what I really like about film and about mm-hmm. performance uh, is that it's it's inherently collaborative. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is what team sports could be like. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? like, nobody has to lose. Everyone can win. You know? I mean, I imagine that too. If if as many much resources went into funding the arts as it did to funding sports. Yeah. Yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I I really appreciate you saying that. But like, up there with food, up there with mm-hmm. water, like the things we need. Yeah. I can get a little bit. Um, sheepish around like 
like the fundraising stuff for this type of work and the like asking for the resources mm -hmm. that it actually takes to to do it and do it well and do it with integrity and with care for community like mm -hmm. that, like that takes that takes resources even if it's not just money it takes like people's time and and people throwing down on food together and whatever it is and like I just something about what you said just really brought home for me that like the the willingness to be so unapologetic about asking mm -hmm. for the resources that are necessary mm -hmm. for it because of the the fact that the things we create are are the things that that make our survival so possible mm -hmm. and and um and just I think like make the resistance against what is a very very intentional type of social control that aims to suppress and deny creativity yeah. right mm -hmm. like, yeah makes it possible to resist that that's how you kill a soul yeah right you take away a soul and a brain and, and people's a heart. voices yeah like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love I love talking with other artists. Like you just survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my hands are all over it, the place. Y'all can, can see us. People can see us. I'm actually it's wondering. Awesome. Like, there's this. I'm just looking at this painting in, oh, yeah. in the studio of Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> Is there a story behind this paint? There's, um, there's like a glitter Jesus. I'm sure there's a story behind it. It's been here for a number of years. I've been at the station since 2013, and as, as long as I can remember, it's been here. At one point, there was a joint in between Jesus' <laughs> oh, fingers. Oh, okay. It looks ready, um, nice and ready. For yeah. Me. So, you know, folks kind of come in and come out. A lot of different yeah. folks come around here. So people put up different pieces of art like, Jesus and objects. Jesus' is fabulous. Y'all can't see, but it's like a shimmery blue glitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was trying to ask Nava about what she's going to wear tonight for... I'm wearing, for the screen, I'm yeah. wearing, and I'm getting some inspiration from Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing what I'm wearing because I've been living out of my car. because oh. um, I moved not not because of homelessness, mm -hmm. um, but because I moved from San Antonio. I've been staying with my parents, okay, and um, drove uh, on a road trip to LA. Mm -hmm. I'm moving to LA, but okay. I have reasons to be here in the Bay. Yeah. So, I'm here for like uh, this week and I've just been living out of my car and suitcases and, and literal bags, like plastic bags, <laughs> like canvas bags. Real. I was in the car. <laughs> it's real artist yeah, life Nana, long Nana ago. Um, so I'm wearing what I'm currently wearing. You know, it, it's just going to have to be jeans and a, and a crop top. Um, but, um, but I'm very excited for to see everybody else's films screening tonight i think yeah. i think my film is screening with april maxi's film mm -hmm. um i that's something I, I really appreciated about the festival the queer festival circuit is meeting other filmmakers i'm excited about that oh man yeah. yes i'm excited Are you about to, that yeah 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 um so uh, I met somebody at Outfest Fusion, mm -hmm. um, April Maxi, who has a wonderful film called After You Left, mm -hmm. and um, I, you know, I won't spoil too much, but essentially it's about uh, these two women who are were in a relationship before, mm -hmm. and now time has passed, and so they're kind of dealing with with some some things, yes. some memories. Um, 
And I just loved her film. And I saw that uh, Queer Women of Color Film Festival was still taking submissions. And so I was like, oh, you should submit. Like, and I actually sent them an email and everything. And, and she's screening. Like, I think what I, what I hope to share with people um, who might be listening and might be interested in, in making film or working in the film industry is that people run the industry, right? It's not like this sort of monolith it's not like Mm. this like box that you have to like crack to get into like people Mm -hmm. run the industry and so if if you make connections and you get to know people then that's that's how you can start working in the industry and and you have to just love film and you have to love other people's films as much as you love your own you know (laughs) like you can't be selfish um but I, so so I'm really excited to see everybody else's is films as well. Mm-hmm. And I get to see Nana's on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've already seen him. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, a phone call. The phone um, usually doesn't make a noise when it rings. It's an, always a surprise it's here. It's probably not talk like amongst a yourselves. surprise guest, but <laughs> it would be nice if it was. Like, Who would you want Sauge. to be? That's my next question. I would I want Sauge to call in. I really want, I want Sauge Kudvar editor to like... Um, Oh my god. Blow yes. up. <laughs> I want fun. Yeah. And then the three of us would just not stop talking. Right, right. So I was just so smart. Yum. <sighs> and yeah, the their editing eyes just right. it's just impeccable. impeccable. Yeah. Yum. Um okay, what should we talk about, Nana? Oh, oh, one thing, actually, one question I was going to ask is that when you were yeah. on the show, Nava, last time, um, you were in the process, you were, you were out of the country for a little bit, yeah? Oh, yes. So I was curious if you wanted to share some of your experiences. Yes. Um, I went to, I got, I got into this program uh, to go teach English mm-hmm. on Reunion Island, La Réunion. It's a French island, a.k.a. a French colony in the Indian Ocean. Um and I you know I knew that Waking Hour was gonna have a festival run and that my long term plan is to work in the industry Mm -hmm. and become a working artist but I also knew that I was gonna have to wait essentially um, for Waking Hour to to be seen by people and I wanted to make sure to give myself an opportunity to live outside of the U.S. again. Yes. Um, before I dive into the monster that is Hollywood. Yeah. Because um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. um, from here? So um, I went. I love, you know, I love speaking French. Um I I love an island. I've, I've never. I guess I've never been on an island, really. But like, I love the um, the prospect of being able to swim and hike mm-hmm. and eat fruits mm-hmm. and 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 I wanted to meet a a, a new community. Yeah. Um, I wanted to to get to know people and their daily lives and and kind of what what their hopes are, what their dreams are, what their struggles are. Um, so I went, I went, and I worked in two schools uh, teaching English to um, it was middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot. I I ended up coming back early, um, partially because there was things waiting for me in the United States, and it was just not going to make sense for me to 
miss them, you know, like uh, I wouldn't have been able to go to the festivals and I wouldn't have been able to act in Feminina, which is another short film um, that was shot in Austin. I would not have been able to produce Love Bites. So many things, mm. you know, even like the waking hour needed a poster mm-hmm. and we just did not have we didn't have it we didn't have good stills and we didn't for to make a poster and and so that would have been really challenging to do on this island where i don't know anybody and everybody speaks french and i don't have any money um and that was part of it too was like i just I should have saved more money. Um, It was just kind of rough. It was really kind of rough to live there. (laughs) Um, I loved, I loved um, a lot of the people that I met. Um, I'm so glad that I gave myself that opportunity. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the program, you know, accepting me and for everybody that helped me get into the program. Um, But, I was not happy. I was not where I was supposed to be. Um, I every day felt unsettled and and sad, and I wasn't writing. The whole mm. point was that I would be away yeah. and be able to write, and I wasn't acting, and I just, you know, um, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, and things weren't going right. Yeah, There's something energetically when you're where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to be doing, things typically start to, to kind of fall in line. Right. There's like a karma. Um, you know, you catch that bus, right? Or you run into your friend or somebody helps you out. And those sorts of things just kind of weren't happening for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I kept missing the bus, yeah. right? Um, I, I, like, it would rain mm-hmm. when I was supposed to go walk to the market to go mm-hmm. get my fruit for the, for the week. Um, I tried to learn how to drive stick shift and... It was a disaster. Little things that you know, I just it was it was taking my attention away from from this work. Yeah, and I just I had to make the decision yeah. to come back. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of other stuff. There was some some uh, yeah some drama. <laughs> um, but I won't. Yeah, I won't yeah. get into. I don't sure. need to get into the drama. Okay. But um, but yeah, I came back and and I'm so glad that I did. And mm-hmm. I. Um, I think that I would probably go back one day when I'm at a different place in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was not the time for me to be struggling on an island <laughs> by myself. It just it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the time real. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever lived outside the U.S. as an adult? Yes, and it similarly it was like energetically everything was like. Take your ass home. Yeah. <laughs> like, take your ass home. Yeah. yeah. Was in a place where I didn't know anyone. And mm-hmm. um, I was in uh, Tanzania. I did, like, right after college, did, uh, like, a, a fellowship through my college that sent me there and was like, go do a research project. And the whole premise of that is weird, too. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I just, yeah. no shade. But, but, it, but I, I think there's, like, both kind of the, like, like very present moment I was in a place where I didn't need to be and like wasn't in my purpose and that was very real and then there was like the like 
deeper kind of colonial, like neo-colonial, mm-hmm. like I was in a place that I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be where, mm-hmm. you know, there was like that at play too. Um, and so, yeah, I learned like, I learned so much mm-hmm. the really hard way, <laughs> you know, the really hard way. But yeah, I mean, um, and then I've lived like other places for shorter amounts of time, but um, that was the most kind of unstructured type of just go and, and make a life somewhere type of thing that I'd ever done. And, yeah. Um, and I was like in between being a child still and an adult yeah. and like didn't mm. actually know how to um, make a life for myself in a place. Yet. Yeah. And it's this weird thing where like we have such privilege to be Americans mm-hmm. and be able to come back mm. <laughs> and come and go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and also, I'm like kind of terrified to stay here. Yep. You know, yeah. like yeah, we talked about that like, last time too. It, yeah, it is the we're in this kind of really weird time. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we continue to be at the top of the empire globally. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States continues to enact unspeakable violence. Yeah, to, here and people, abroad, right? Yeah. Um, and and so we we get privilege from that we get access from that Mm -hmm. and we're also still at risk ourselves yes yeah Yeah. you know what i mean like it's such an interesting fucking weird yeah um and yet i also can recognize that i'm not most at risk Mm -hmm. when it comes to people in the united states yeah ah um and and i think that that tension is just important to name and it's important mm-hmm. to actually think about in our work. Yes. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about for what I want to do next. Like, okay, how, like what stories are important to tell? Right. And I, I know mm-hmm. for me, I have had self doubt of like, is waking hour really that important? Like, yes, it is. is it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it, why, why am I, like making people pay attention to me <laughs> i'm nodding my head so I mean? much in agreement yeah do you ever yeah. feel that way it's like, like, i'm just a navel gazy like <laughs> might i be yeah i mean no these are the things that like pop into your head when you're mm. yeah yeah going, like, but i i think that what motivates me to keep going is connecting with people yeah. and hearing from people one-on-one mm-hmm. like that a story like waking hour meant something to them yes um hearing from trans women from trans femmes from trans people Mm -hmm. and hearing from allies hearing from Mm -hmm. people who just uh, like came across the the film i was promoting it on on like grinder and and tinder you are so smart (laughs) you are so savvy with your promotion like yeah um i got banned from grinder for Oh, but no, that's part of it. That's that's like a milestone too. Fan from Grinder. Uh, but I was on. I was, I was of all on the there. stuff to, that they could ban, and they okay. I was on there for like three weeks, and and you know, people like random men were watching Waking Hour, mm. and and I I was getting messages of reflection mm-hmm. and gratitude that's and cool. um. I got an email. Somebody like, I, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I that sort of thing kind of made me realize. Okay, 
so yes it was important to make this definitely <laughs> yeah yeah um as as much as the the personal fulfillment mm-hmm. of it as well like okay i am i created a dream and i'm living it mm-hmm. um i think it's i i want to share my dream i don't i don't want it to be just like i'm i'm doing shit just to for myself i don't know yeah. i don't know i have this weird like i'm a counselor you know what i mean like i am a friend and i think about people a lot a lot a lot a lot mm-hmm. so sometimes it can be hard to for my art and my work to be currently so focused on myself mm-hmm. uh, it's that weird thing with the ego like also as an, yeah. art, as an artist there's that weird thing where it's like again and similar to what you were saying earlier is is my story really that important why do i need to say it and then i look out to see what is made especially in like a lot of mainstream tv and film i'm like oh they're making this kind of nonsense which is like punching down (laughs) and harmful and not truthful and also things that we've already heard before from voices that we've heard before yeah and yet at the same time it feels difficult to want to be able to speak up and to feel you know feel recognized and to you know have our stories heard yeah thank you so it's a struggle, but yeah, there is totally, I think, those moments where I look up and I'm looking on my screen, I'm like, okay, if that movie's getting <laughs> yep. made yeah. for the 55th time, yeah. then let me throw yeah. my my yes. story in the freaking ring. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's totally. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it takes mm-hmm. like, to remember, oh, right. Because a lot of times we are in our own little bubble. Mm. You know, yeah. like my friends are for the most part black and brown people queer and trans people very like politically Mm -hmm. activated people so i forget that there's like oh yes (laughs) you know creating things that are on some scale from harmful to nonsense yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and even the nonsense even if it's not challenging the status quo that in itself is i think it supporting it in a way if you're not yeah. challenging what's actually happening that's a disservice if you have a platform where you can reach millions of people i think so and you have the resources to do so too i think so now that like especially now that i've actually made a, a thing with a group of people and seen at least a glimpse into like what it takes to produce a thing when mm-hmm. i do see projects that i'm like this is nonsense i am yeah. a fa- i am more yeah. offended than i've ever been in the past <laughs> i would watch yeah. so much nonsense yeah. before like yeah. and it would feel fine yeah. and now i'm like that took how much to make yes. how many people yeah. like oh yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, so many people had to believe that this was worth years of investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and like how? How? Yeah, yeah. I think, interesting. Yeah, I think also just like growing up and like as a kid, like I grew up in the 80s and like not having that. And then I'm sure there's, I mean, there's still problematic. There, it's a, I know that can be an overused word. Um, however, mm-hmm. like so much that is made and then as a kid, not really understanding the the issues with the messages that we were taught. And then I think also just yeah. becoming an adult and recognizing and really valuing the stories that are put out there that are just so important. Mm-hmm. And it's great for that when one does create art that how many people who are seeing it will be positively affected by that and inspired. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, we can um, maybe take a little bit of a, a break at the moment. Um, I'll get up some more music here. Do either of you have any music you'd like to uh, uh, suggest? Uh, do you have any Star Amorasu? 
We do. Absolutely. Let me pull up iTunes here. I play the, the major soundtrack quite often. If you and... have um if you have on, I love on. Okay. Let's see. Oh, I'm so glad you came back. I'm like, this is not mine. Uh, okay. Let's take a moment. Yeah, I'm like, how many requests? <laughs> you know, we can just take a bit of a break here and see. Let me get this all. Might just take a moment here. Um, in the meantime, if either of you would like to just re-promote, you know, oh, like yeah, the, so, so the film festival is happening this so, weekend. Yeah, let's uh, let's tell y'all where yeah. you can see. So, Waking Hour is screening at a few events today, uh, June fourteenth, at the Queer Women of Color Film Festival. It's the opening night. And the reception starts at 6.30 p.m. And the films start screening at 7.30 p.m. at Brava Theater here in San Francisco. And you can get tickets and find more information at festival2019.qwocmap.org. Waking Hour is also screening at the Hella Gay 10th Anniversary Celebration tomorrow, Saturday, June 15th at the Uptown in Oakland at 8 p.m. Tickets are also free to that. Uh, You just gotta show up. Um, And Waking Hour is gonna be screening on loop at this really cool event at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts on Thursday, June 20th at 5 p.m. And I think around 6 p.m. then we are gonna be in conversation um, moderated by uh, Arya Saeed. Oh, yeah. It's a conversation between me and Mika Bazant. I'm so, so, so excited. Yeah, I. Yeah, That's like so, so, so I can't even express how excited I am for that. Um, I'm gonna be meeting with Mika next week to talk mm-hmm. about like, okay, what are we doing? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's gonna be such a such an honor to meet. I don't think we've ever met in person. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Um, so yeah, that's next Thursday, June 20th at 5 p.m. in San Francisco. Uh, you can find out more information at ybca.org. Okay. The event is called "Show Us Your Look," mm-hmm. so it's actually like a like a very dress up type event it should be really fun it should be fun okay great and uh nana how about yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely so um you can check out sprint this weekend it's in the same queer women of color film festival where you can also see waking hour um and we'll have two short films in the festival on saturday june 15th Mm -hmm. 7 30 at brava theater and the website for that again is festival twenty nineteen dot quackmap q w o c m a p dot org. Ah, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to check out the full performance in the National Queer Arts Festival, which you should, yeah, <laughs> you can check that out on June twentieth and June twenty first. And the tickets are on sale now; they're on Eventbrite, and you can. Um, get the tickets right from Sprint's website. It's www.sprintmovement.com. Great. Well, Nana Dufour, Nava Mao, thank you so much for being here. We're going to take a bit of a music break and we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Close your eyes. Hold your breath. Make a way. Take a step 
All right, and welcome back to the weekly review. That was Star Amorasu, and you can check out Star's SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash Star Amorasu, and that's S T A R A M E R A S U. Joined here by Nana and Nava. Yay! We've been having some really good conversations. I'm really glad that you're Hi. you're both here. We're back. Yes. So glad to be here. This yeah. has been yeah, such a dream. Like this. Talking with the two of you. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. So there's some upcoming um, projects that are happening. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to go first? Yeah. Or, oh, she's like, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can talk about some of the other sure. um, short films I've worked on. Mm-hmm. So... I had the opportunity to act in a short film called Femenina, Mm. and it's directed by Ilana Middleman. Mm -hmm. It's actually a student film uh, at the University of Texas uh, RTF program. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, this this is a, a film that you maybe would not expect to be a student film. I think student film kind of has this connotation of like work in progress, Mm -hmm. but all of the films that I saw at the at the showcase in Austin last month blew my mind and I feel I feel really honored to to have acted in, in Feminina. It's a it's a short film about a boxer mm-hmm. who falls in love with a trans woman who starts training at his gym. Mm. Um so it was cute, you know. Uh, Were you boxing? Were I, you yes, up in there? <laughs> yes, I. Uh, I've been wanting to learn how to box for actually years. Mm-hmm. Um, I took this self defense class um, like four years ago, and ever since I've been wanting to get into martial arts, and um, it was it, like I had to take a boxing class and mm-hmm. like learn how to do certain moves and um i had to get a little a little fit for the for the movie um it was fun it was a lot of fun um and i'm glad i got to play nina the story is is actually in some ways like kind of similar to waking hour Mm -hmm. um i i felt like it was a little bit it was like a like a sister soul like a complimentary Mm. piece of another type of young trans woman mm. navigating dating and love and um yeah honestly I don't think I need to tell you anything more about the short film because it just I think the premise sells itself like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah you can follow Feminina's Instagram okay. for updates it's instagram.com uh, slash Feminina film oh great and I also am producing a short film called Love Bites mm-hmm. uh, by writer-director Chinue Okorie and our other producer Mia Garza. Um, this film has been in the works for years. Chinue has been developing it, I think, for at this point five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started working on pre-production for it last year. Um, and finally, we're able to shoot in April. And um, yeah, I mean, the cast came together, the, the crew came together, and it's in post-production right now. You know, I had, I had a call with Chima yesterday mm-hmm. about uh, some some rewrites and um, some some edits that, that still need to happen. It's coming together. 
um, that story is about a young woman who is navigating a disorienting relationship with her boyfriend mm. um, and it uses the cinematic technique of split screens mm-hmm. to tell us about that disorientation that she mm. feels in her relationship um, yeah uh, Callie Sykes plays the lead character um, it, it felt really good to be able to support Chima's vision uh, and I'm excited for people to see it it'll be a while you know that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing with, with, with film oh yeah like, so you um, make it and it's then gonna be a long time months later you you're it, like, but, oh yeah. yeah but you can follow <laughs> Love Bites on Instagram as well um, instagram.com slash lovebitesmovie um, and Nana has things to talk about yeah. too yeah yeah I think um after uh, this year's run in the Queer Arts Festival, what I'm most looking forward to doing with the project is um, really trying it to leverage it as part of a campaign um, that is going on for a really close friend of mine, a sister friend. Her name's Crystal Mangum, um, and she is a dope poet, artist, mama black woman, former sex worker, and a currently incarcerated survivor serving a 14 to 18 year prison sentence in North Carolina. And a part of why she's so um, important to the project is because around the um, same time in Durham, North Carolina, uh, when I was a freshman at Duke University and when she, um, her name was cast into the public eye for um, alleging that um, she was raped by three young white men who were on the Duke lacrosse team at the time um, and became a very public figure Mm -hmm. via uh, what was called the Duke lacrosse case, even though the case never made it to court. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there bearing witness to that. And uh, as a young black woman who had eventually experienced my own assault while on that campus um, by a group of young white men uh, who were also protected by the institution, I I very much carried her story with me. Mm -hmm. And years later, when I went to write Sprint and to share this story, it, it just felt impossible to tell without connecting with her. And so... Um, originally I shared some of the poems I wrote one of them was inspired by her and since then we've just formed um, a bond that has really also allowed us to to engage in our own deep healing work but really allowed me to see this project and the telling of my own story as a vehicle for Mm -hmm. um, for drawing attention to something that I think is much more systemic than just any one person's individual story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this year, I'm really excited that we are applying for Crystal's Clemency in Mm. the state of North Carolina. Last year, we performed Sprint, and a group of, I think, in total, over 200 audience members wrote letters to the governor of North Carolina. Some of them were gorgeous, I mean, gorgeous letters, Mm. powerful letters, like, Mm. not just like, you know, like, and get her out, but like, mm-hmm. you know, people's stories, people yes. shared their stories in service, yeah. right? Um, and so this year, after after that happened, we were invited by the governor's office to apply for clemency. Um, and what will basically happen now is thanks to 
the National Council of Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls, um, there's going to be a national clemency campaign to apply uh, for clemency for Crystal, but also women all over the country who are incarcerated, serving long sentences for surviving domestic violence mm-hmm. or sexual violence, and uh, elderly women, women with terminal illness, right? Women who just have no business being behind bars and um, not that anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, not that anyone, yeah, fuck the cages. Yeah. Not that anyone yep. does yeah. get rid of these cages. So, um, um, I am just really excited with this year's performance for it also to be a kind of opportunity to really engage some folks in activating around um, this clemency mm-hmm. campaign and around bringing some of our folks home mm-hmm. um, who, have, who have been just really, really um, deserving of the type of healing and care that they should have been met with in the first place. Right, yeah. Right? Um, and so so definitely, like, sprintmovement.com slash freecrystal is mm-hmm. a place where you can kind of keep up with what we're doing with that campaign, um, ways that you can support, whether it's writing the governor. I, I would really love to take the performance to North Carolina mm-hmm. at some point and um, for that to be a place where we can also rally support and um, and bring our sis home and hopefully, um, you know, on the back of Centoya Brown coming home yes. earlier this year, like really let this be a vehicle for which mm-hmm. we we bring our survivors home, but we also say this is kind of, a, this is an unacceptable way of treating mm-hmm. people, yes. right? Yes, um, and And respectability politics aside, like, you're not going to get our loved ones um, in under the guise of, of um, protecting and serving certain people and, and punishing and, mm-hmm. and harming others, right? So yeah. um, I'm really, really excited to be joining with um, SE Justice Group, which is a, a nonprofit based here in California okay. that organizes women with incarcerated loved ones and formerly incarcerated women in advocacy um, to dismantle uh, systems of incarceration. And they're a co-sponsor of the uh, performance, along with Survived and Punished, mm-hmm. which is also a national organization that um, advocates with women who are serving sentences for surviving domestic and sexual mm. violence. And so to have them be a part of the production and an ongoing campaign, like I really am excited about um, what kind of attention and momentum we can build around that. So please, please stay connected yeah. in that way. Yeah. Wow, oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh. Nana, you are doing the motherfucking work. Yeah. Like, for real. <laughs> we are. Like, community mm-hmm. is. It's like, we, yeah. what is really so, I think, um, beautiful about being able to do what we do, Nava, and being able to meet other people who care about this work and, and do this work is like, we are surrounded, we are in community with mm-hmm. folks who are doing this. Like, mm-hmm. we are. I think I can get very, very um, pessimistic about where things are fucking (laughs) at. And then I have to take a moment to look around with who I I see so many people doing the most and giving so much of themselves and being so vulnerable in their creativity and like I feel I I get to be in community with those people that's incredible and it gives me hope in in times that feel apocalyptic as fuck yes. you know yes thank you yes thank you um you can also follow my work at my website navamao.com that's n a v a m a u.com and you can check out more about Waking Hour at wakinghourfilm.com. That's W-A-K-I-N-G hourfilm.com. Not walking hour, waking hour. 
And my Instagram is Navamau, N-A-V-A-M-A-U. Just follow me on Instagram. Oh, thank you for reminding yeah, me. Yeah, follow, follow Nana. Follow Sprint. <laughs> the Gram. Yes. Uh, you can follow Sprint on the Gram at, at Sprint Movement. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Excellent. Oh, thank you both so much for being here. Gonna wrap up the show. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for us. having us. Truly so yeah. much. Thank Aww. you. Thank you. Thank you. This was yes. such a special day. Oh. So we're gonna wrap up the show here. I'll do a little brief plug for Mutiny Radio. There are shows here every day of the week, so tune in at any time if you're interested in having a show here of your own. Uh, that's possible. If you contact Pam, who's the station manager, go to mutinyradio.fm. We also have a Patreon up for the show, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev if you'd like to contribute to help to, for dues for the show. Um, yeah, those are some plugs. Also, the space is available for rentals if folks want to do any live performances here. That's a possibility too. Um, poetry readings, um, music, uh, anything you'd like. So that's another option here. If you'd like to check out the archive of this show, check out mutinyradio.fm. If you go to the podcast archive and then check out the weekly review. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Nana and Nava, for being here. Thank on uh, This is great. And uh, yeah. check out the film festival this weekend. And I wanted to just also do a... I have a whole list of things. <laughs> um, so one quick thing, I also wanted to also promote... A friend of mine has a podcast that I also wanted to... Um, promote so I'm just going to go and pull this up quickly um, and there is a you know it's as this loads one moment if you go to raymondandbilly.com and I'm gonna wait for a moment for the uh, <laughs> the screen to uh, yep the screen to come up it's gonna take just a moment now uh, thanks again so much for listening I'm talking as to there we go <laughs> so <laughs> just okay healing with uh, raymond and billy it's a 12-part podcast uh two cute cuties talking qt health and so again if you go to raymondandbilly.com you can check out their podcast there it's available you can also subscribe it's on itunes anchor.fm stitcher as well and also this this show is also available on uh, stitcher and itunes so oh yeah music we'll end up the show with, <laughs> with some music all right we are going to go back to some star Amarasu to sing us out and we'll be back next week. So have a great week, everyone coming up next is women's magazine with global Val followed by the common thread collective. Take care, everybody.
carry home. 